Radical Loyalty from the sermon series on the commissioning, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Jesus talks about this word idea called loyalty. Let me ask you, how do you feel when you hear the word loyalty? Now, I do believe that you expect people to be loyal to you, right? You expect your friends to be loyal to you, particularly your real good friends. You expect if you're married, your spouse to be loyal to you. But how about if we turn the tables around and I were to ask you, how about when it comes to your loyalty? Are you loyal? Are you willing to be loyal? Listen, if, if studies show uh, because of the culture, a lot of us in which we live in today, we struggle with that. For some of us, we have this negative emotional response when we think about this idea of being loyal or being fully committed. For some of us, loyalty is actually a derogatory statement because we live in a culture that is called the cancel culture. You guys ever heard of that? Cancel culture? On social media, like if you don't like someone, if you don't like a particular company, you cancel them out. And so in many ways, we live in a culture where it teaches you that loyalty is not good. That only it's good for a certain point, but you can't be fully committed to something. And so as a result of it, there is a deep, deep identity crisis that's happening with this generation and the younger generation. Because sociologists have said that our identities are formed by the things that you and I are choosing to be loyal to. And when you're not loyal to anything, when you're not fully committed to something, then you will cease to find your identity. You'll go into a full-blown identity crisis. Do you know what that's like? I had a friend years ago. She called me and she said, hey, Peter, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about quitting my job. She had a real nice job, good-paying job. And she said, I'm thinking about traveling the world and just visiting different parts of the world that I've always wanted to travel. And I said to her, I said, why are you going to do that? And she said to me, she said, well, it's because I need to find myself. And I think if I travel the world and I visit different places and connect with different cultures, that somehow I'll be able to discover who I really am. I said to her, and she was my friend, so I could say this to her. I said, with all due respect, I said, suppose you go on this trip, this trip to find yourself, and suppose you've come to the conclusion that you're nothing but a, an onion, that as you strip away the layers of yourself, of your life, you come to realize that you have no core as a person. That's a dangerous place to be. I said to her, I said, if you really want to find yourself, start being committed to something. She had a deep phobia with committing herself to certain things. I don't know if this is registering with any of you, but if you struggle to fully commit yourself to something that you'll just say, well, you know, maybe I'll just come and be a part of this church, but I'm not going to be a member. No way. I'm not going to do that. Right? Maybe I'll just, you know, just check this person out. Maybe I'll just date a few different people. And, you know, like we just have this sense in this culture today where we take this idea of full commitment so lightly. And you know what the deepest consequence of that is? Especially as Christians, you don't know who you are in God. I think theologically you do. You know that you are a child of God, but do you really know that you are a prince? a princess to the king of kings and lord of lords. Do you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, hi, prince. Hi, princess. Just do that right now. Just do it. Make sure you use the right gender title. Don't call a woman a prince, all right? That would be good. How did that make you feel? For some of you, it's very uncomfortable to be thought as royalty. But the truth is, that's who we are. We are royal sons and daughters of God. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That is who we are. That is the identity that God gave to you. Why? Through the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came and died for you on the cross and resurrected from the dead, is it just so that you can go to heaven one day and just experience bliss when you die? It's so much more than that. It's for you to live into this royal identity of being a child of God, to be a prince and a princess to the king of kings and lord of lords. That is your identity that God wants you to have. But you're not going to get there if you're not willing to be fully loyal to God. You're just not. You're not going to be able to know this identity. You're going to keep living like a spiritual orphan. Some of you live like you're orphans in God's own house. You've been brought with a price through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are part of the royal family of God. And unless you and I are willing to fully commit ourselves to our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ, 
Unless we're willing to be fully loyal, you're just going to live your life in this world, in this cancel culture, in such a way where you're going to try to find your identity and you're not going to know what it's in. And church is just going to be like, I don't know, country club? Maybe just a place you come, you check off. And so as we wrap up this series, you know, Jesus is going deep. This is a hard text. I wish I didn't have to preach this to you. But he's really helping his disciples to live in radical loyalty. Because when you say you love God, it's got to be more than just an emotional response. God, you know, if you've been married for a while, have, do you like emotionally love your spouse 24-7 all the time? If anyone raises your hand, you are a liar. <laughs> There's no way you can love your spouse 24-7 unless you got married yesterday. All right? In Impossible, impossible. True love is about loyalty. That even if you don't want to stay committed to this person, that you'll continue to do so. And God loves you not because he just feels lovey-dovey, has the warm fuzzies every day when he sees you. No, he loves you because he's loyal to you, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ. And so the question then is, are you loyal to him? Are you willing to take that step of being fully loyal to him? That's what I want to talk to you about today. That's what Jesus is going to help his disciples to figure out and help us to figure out. So here's the two questions we're going to answer today. What's the outcome of being loyal to Jesus? You know, we all know why we should be loyal to Jesus. I mean, he died for us. But what's the outcome of our loyalty? And the last question we're going to answer is simply this. How do I show loyalty to Jesus today in the 21st century? How do I show loyalty to Jesus today in the 21st century? So if you have, Matthew, if you have your Bible, start with me, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at 10 verses, 32 to 42. 32 to 42. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Yikes. What does that mean? I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's probably not going to be too difficult. All right, verse 36. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, Jesus says, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, this is hard, parents, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives, you receives me. And anyone who receives me, the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive a righteous people, if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of these least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. It's the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, I pray today. That if there's anyone here today where they don't truly know their identity in you and being a part of the royal family of God. I pray for anyone who might be orphans today spiritually. I pray for anyone who see themselves more as a servant and a slave in the Father's house. God, I pray that this sermon would resonate deep within their hearts. But God, it's more than just resonating. That thing, the, the truth of this passage doesn't resonate unless we're willing to be fully committed and loyal to you. So Lord, teach us what that looks like. And God, I pray that we would do whatever it takes to get there. No matter how hard it is. God, that we would do it so that we can truly live out this identity that you came and died for, Lord, to know that we truly are sons and daughters to the King of kings and Lord of lords. So God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray, God, it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. All right, what is the outcome of being loyal to Jesus Christ? What is the outcome of being loyal to Jesus Christ? Here it is. It's that Jesus Christ is going to acknowledge you. Jesus Christ is going to acknowledge you, all right? If you, if you are loyal to Jesus Christ, he will acknowledge you before the Father. That's key. If you want to be a royal son and a daughter of Jesus Christ and live under the power of that truth, Jesus has to acknowledge you before the Father. If he doesn't, you're not going to know that you're truly a child of God. Look at what he says in verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. A very important verse that you and I have to kind of unpack here. Let me just kind of help you to understand this. When we acknowledge Jesus Christ, Jesus says he would acknowledge us before the Father. That means he will go before the Father and he would acknowledge us. What that means is that you and I have full access to God. That's what that means. You see, we learn of our identity and who we are before the Lord, who we are before God, when we have full access to our Father, but it requires that you and I acknowledge him, that we're willing to acknowledge him. The other flip side of it, Jesus says that if you deny me, I will deny you before the Father. That means you and I get zero access to the Father. And so the question then is, how do we acknowledge Jesus? How do we acknowledge Jesus today? What does that really look like? What does it look like to acknowledge Jesus today in our society? Is it just for you to put up a, a post on social media saying that you follow Jesus, that you love Jesus? It's a lot more than that. It, it requires more than just your verbal consent that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. A lot more than that. You know what it requires? It requires your ability to give Jesus Christ full access over every area of your life. That's what it requires. If you give God access to every area of your life, you are truly acknowledging him. And Jesus says, I will acknowledge you before the Father. You see, God has given you full access to him. He hasn't held anything back. He gave you his son. He's given us full access to him. And if you want to acknowledge Jesus today, you acknowledge him more than just what you say with your mouth, but you acknowledge him by giving him full access access to your life. And so the question that I have for us today is this. What area of your life have you not given God full access to? What area of your life have you said, God, I will go up to here with you, but outside of that, no, 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 no. I will not give you full access. What area is that? What area do you sort of go with God in certain places, but in certain areas you don't? What is that? What is that area? Is it your singleness? Is it your singleness? Is it maybe this place where you sort of, you sort of feel like now that as you might be getting older, you're just kind of taking matters into your own hands and you're not giving God full access. Maybe you say, you know, I've tried. It doesn't work. And so now you are taking matters into your own hands. You are. And it's so interesting because then what we end up doing is that we end up conforming to the patterns of this world. And really, there is no difference between your singleness and the singleness of somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. You guys do the exact same thing. You behave in the same way. You act in the same way. You participate in the same type of activities in which you know we have children here. I'm not going to really say it, but you know what I'm talking about here. You know, it's really interesting because New York Times and the Atlantic uh, Monthly, they did a study, a social study. And it's so interesting because... We often think that God is a prude. We, and, and the church has done a terrible job of teaching that as single people, the only thing that you have to do is chastity. In th thinking that, you know, in some ways we've communicated that the idea of physically consummating your relationship with someone is a bad thing, but it's only okay when you get married. Nothing could be further from the truth. God wants us to live a life, if you're single, of chastity so that you can share and participate in physical intimacy with your partner for the rest of your life. The New York Times and the Atlantic Monthly did a study, and here's what social sociologists did. They asked the question, how many partners is the ideal number to have to before you get married so that you can live in happiness? That was the study that they did. You know what they came out with? You know what number they said? One. The one that you marry. They said that is the happiest married couple of all. And they have some reasons why that is. One is that, you know, if you have multiple partners, you'll end up comparing them to your spouse. Destroys the marriage. Destroys the marriage. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you read these journals, you read these people who do these studies, and they write it up, and sometimes, sometimes we don't realize that God really knows what he's talking about. That if you can control yourself and if you can be loyal to him and say, you know what, God, I'm going to honor you in my singleness because I know that one day you're going to allow me to meet somebody where we can have a relationship with for the rest of our lives and it's going to be sweet, it's going to be intimate, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be all of that. I'm just going to trust in you. And even if it doesn't happen, I still have you and that's all I need. Loyalty. That's loyalty, isn't it? Saying, God, I'm going to do that. 
right? That's acknowledging Jesus and giving him access to every area of your life. How about if you're married? Let me just talk to the married couples here for just a moment. If the studies are right and the stats are right, a lot of our marriages are literally on life support, but more importantly than that, you have been unfaithful to your spouse in every way possible. They just don't know about it. You're the only one who really does. Now, here, I am fully prepared to tell you that it takes two to tangle. So just because somebody commits adultery doesn't mean that it's just that person's fault. It takes two to mess up a marriage. It's not just one person. Some, in some instances, in very deep abusive instances, it really is just one person, majority. But in most marriages, it takes two to tangle. So you're just as culpable as the spouse who might have been unfaithful to you. We have to acknowledge that. But for some of you, you've given up on your marriage. And you say, you know what, God, I'm done. I'm not giving you access to this marriage anymore because it's over. We're just going to stay married until our kids go to college and then we're going to get a divorce. And even if you have not said that, you've already internalized it. Are you willing to give God full access to your marriage? Because you don't think God could breathe life into a broken marriage? Come on. I've seen it happen. Man, there were times, even people on my staff, I thought, oh, oh it ain't going to work out. I don't think it's going to happen. And I am always amazed at how God transforms and can breathe life into a marriage if you're willing to give him access, access to it. How about your job? Maybe some of your jobs, you're not willing to give God full access to your jobs because it compromises your integrity. It compromises your character. You're doing some things in your job, honestly, it's a little shady. Maybe it's not the kind of work you do, but maybe it's the shadiness that happens as you're in relations with your coworkers, that there's some shadiness going on. Maybe giving God full access to that area of your life. How about a past wound that you will maybe allow God to come and enter into? Because some of us, as we get older, you know, as we get older, it's very difficult for us to revisit past wounds because we just don't want to go there anymore. Because we just don't want to give God full access to that because we don't know what's going to happen when we revisit a past wound. Where do you need to give God full access to your life? Because when we do that, we fully acknowledge him. And if we acknowledge Jesus, Jesus says he will acknowledge us before the Father. And what that does is that it allows us to maintain or grow and understand this identity of being a child of God. Our loyalty to God means that we give full access to him in every area of our life. Not just in one or two areas, but in every area. We have to be willing to give God an all-access pass today to our life. Are you willing to do that? My hope and prayer is that you would. And so if you've said yes to that, then we really can move on to the last question. How do I show loyalty to Jesus Christ? How do I show loyalty to Jesus Christ? First, we need to choose Jesus over our family. If you want to show loyalty to Jesus Christ, you got to choose Jesus over our family. All right? Look at verse 34. Jesus says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. And that's an exclamation mark. He wasn't just saying, hey, don't imagine. He's like, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to this earth. I came not to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. I, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or your daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. That is some serious stuff there. What does this mean? Because it sounds a bit contrarian. We just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And now it says here that Jesus is saying, he's like, yo, I didn't come here to bring priests. I came here to bring a sword. I came here to divide. What is Jesus getting at here? Ultimately, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And what we need to know that ultimately in the end, when Jesus comes back in the second coming, he will restore planet earth and he will restore peace once and for all. That is what it means when he, we, we refer to the title as the prince of peace. Jesus will bring that peace ultimately. But in the meantime, what you and I need to know, all right, that the message of the gospel of expanding his kingdom here on earth, we learned last week, is about setting people free, right? That is going to be met with opposition. And that opposition sometimes is your family that they will not want you to pursue God with that kind of loyalty, but they would prefer that you'd be more loyal to them. And Jesus says, when that hits the fan, who are you going to pick? 
Because if you really want to know that you're a son and a daughter to the king of kings and lord of lords, you have to be willing to be, pick me, choose me over your parents. Listen, I've been the pastor of this church since its inception for the past 17 and a half years. And I sat across dozens of tables and counseling sessions where I have met with people and they're just miserable because they've chosen a vocation that their parents told them to pursue. They were just being good kids. I had breakfast with this one guy, and he was working in, fi- in the banking industry, making good money, married. And he just said, man, I'm so miserable. I am so miserable. And I just looked at him, and I said, well, why are you miserable? And he said, well, I just, I find no joy in my job. And I said, hey, I said, what's your dream job? Like, if there were no issues, like your family, your, your relationships, money, any of that stuff, if your circumstances, if none of that was an issue, what would you be doing with your life? You know what this guy said? I mean, I almost fell off my chair. He said my dream job would be a high school gym teacher. I mean, you know, maybe like a Hollywood celebrity or things like that. Like a high school gym teacher. I said, why can't you do that? You get that job like that. And he looked at me and said, are you crazy? Do you know how much money my parents spend on my education? If I do that, I would break their hearts. This man chose to be more loyal to his parents than to God. Let me give you a little insight tip. If money, circumstances, relationships were not an issue, what would you be doing with your life? Whatever the answer that is, that's exactly what God wants you to do with your life. And if that's running contrary to how you're living today, then you might have to make some changes in your life sooner than later so that you can begin to live out the dreams that God has for you in establishing his kingdom here on earth. I have sat across dozens of counseling sessions with couples where honestly, they, uh, one of them or both of them will either show more loyalty to their parents than to their spouse. Destructive, man. And I just want to say this really clearly. If you are married and you show more loyalty to your parents than your spouse, you are not loyal to God. Period. Period. I don't have to go on any further than that. Parents, how about your children? That's the tough one. Will you choose Jesus over your child? How many of you are willing to do what Abraham did? God doesn't want you to do that, so don't worry about it. You're like, whoa, I don't know if I could do that. That's not what God wants you to do. I promise you. I promise you. But here's what it means to acknowledge Jesus and be more loyal to him over your children. Because Jesus does say children. We have to choose today. Are you going to be loyal to Jesus or are you going to be loyal to your children? And what I want to ask you and encourage you is simply this. How are your kids growing up in your home? How important is Jesus to you? How do they see Jesus being a part of your life in your home? Do they see that it's a big deal, right? Because I think for a lot of us, let me just be honest here, I think for a lot of us, we often, uh, we're like our parents. We focus so much on our children and we put so much money and resources in them to get good grades and we put them through all these different types of schools to learn to do really well. You're putting a whole lot of resources so they can be smart and they can graduate and, and go to a good school and make good money and all that kind of stuff so they can live out the American dream. But what are you doing and what are you teaching them in the process? Are you teaching them that the American dream is God's dream? Because it's not. The American dream is not God's dream. Are you teaching them that that's more important than God himself? If they can grow up in a home and see that you are pursuing the dream that God has for you, that that is more important to you than what they even get in school, what kind of schools they get into, if you show them that, you will disciple them in a way where you're choosing Jesus over your child. Now, I'm not saying that you stop sending them to these places. That's fine. But how much money are you spending on your kid's spirituality? How much money are you putting into your kid's spiritual health? Sometimes coming to church, this generation, we're so different from our immigrant parents. Man, our immigrant parents, they went to church when there was a hurricane. And the pastors would never cancel church. They'd be a blizzard, all right? And back in the 80s and 90s, there were no 4 by 4s I mean, only rich people drove those cars. The majority of the cars were rear-wheel drives, right? 
Did your parents say, we're staying home, we ain't going to church, it's dangerous. No, they went to church. They didn't care, right? Air conditioning? You think there was air conditioning back in the day? I mean, we'd be sweating, the pastor would be dripping. It didn't matter. You would go to church even if there was no air conditioning. If I told you guys there's no air conditioning for the rest of the summer because we're trying to go green and save the planet, most of you would just watch it at home. <laughs> What's happened to us, man? No, I think our parents are a little too hardcore. They're, they swung the pendulum a different way. But we've swung it the other way. Where church has become a complete option. Hear me on this, parents. We may not be that keen on our kids' academics because our kids' academics don't interfere with church because there's no school on Sundays. But how about sports? How about sports? Are you teaching your kids, and I'm speaking to myself because my son's a baseball player, right? Are you teaching your kids that it's more important to focus on a sport, miss church, miss youth group, miss different things, than be at church and be discipled by the staff here? and be in Christian community with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. What are we teaching our kids? What are we helping them to see? It's something I have to ask myself because my son has a lot of tournaments on Sundays. He had one this weekend. We chose not to send him because he wanted to do the pool party with the youth group yesterday. He really wants to spend time and swim and have fun. And the other thing was that I wanted him to be at church here today. I want him to know that it's an option, that, I, that this is not an option. You have to be here. Yes, there might be some important tournaments that might cause you to miss a church service, but that cannot be the norm, Christian. It's only the exception because Jesus is more important than baseball. How are we discipling our kids today? See, that means that we're choosing Jesus over our kids because your kids are in God, Jesus says. How are we doing that? Are you willing to be loyal to Jesus over your kids? That's serious questions we need to ask. Don't perpetuate some of the things that our parents have brought onto us. Think it deeply and ask yourself, how is my loyalty to Jesus going to impact the way I parent my kids, how I enter into my marriage with my spouse, and how I choose to live my life as a single person and as I choose to work in the vocation which God has called me to work in. I love Tony Evans. <laughs> he wrote a, he had a great tweet this week. He says this, can we put this up? He says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they are absolutely right. Salvation through faith alone and Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Woo, that was hard, wasn't it? Right? I would read that again. I just love it. I hear people say I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation through faith alone in, alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough, and your relationship will be affected. This is the house of God. This is your church. This is the part where we can grow and spur one another on. This is how we can exercise and bear fruit as we choose to be loyal to Jesus over anything else this world has to offer. Are you going to choose Jesus over your family? That's the first thing we have to do in order to be loyal. Here's the second thing in order for us to be loyal, to show loyalty, is that we have to choose Jesus over ourselves. We have to choose Jesus over ourselves. This is the hard, this is a real hard one too. Look at verse 38. If you refuse, again, this word that we talk about all the time, take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. I mean, we all know this. We've read this probably dozens of times. What is Jesus trying to really get at here? Taking up our cross does not mean that you got to deal with your personal problems or the difficulties of life that you have to bear. That's not what it means to bear the cross. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. When you pick up your cross, what he's talking about is that you will live your life in radical obedience to the point of self-denial. That is picking up your cross. If you want to pick up your cross today, what that means is that you have to put, position your life in such a way where you are regularly, I hope daily, finding ways to deny yourself. The perfect example of that is Jesus. He denied himself unto the cross, right? And so do you have people, do you have sort of a structure or way in how you're going to live your life where you're going to deny yourself? 
Because this is not the kind of culture we live in. Everything is about me. Everything is about me. And you think being a follower of Jesus is just about you. It's so much more than you. It's about you finding life as you're willing to deny yourself and follow Jesus Christ. So if you want to be loyal to him, you have to be loyal to Jesus by choosing Jesus over yourself. And so how are you growing in self-denial? Are there ways in how you do that regularly? I find that if you're married, man, you have invitations every day to grow in self-denial. It's not easy, man. But every day is an invitation for you to grow in self-denial. Are you willing to grow in that? One of the ways in how I grow in self-denial is, and I'll just share it with you. If there's somebody I don't like, somebody I'm struggling with, for 30 days I choose to pray a blessing upon their lives. For 30 days. And in the beginning, the prayers are all jacked up. They're not real blessings, you know. Like you start praying for that because they've hurt you so much. And you're like, you know, God, I pray that this brother would play basketball and sprain his ankle. And that pain that he feels, may he know the pain that you endured for him on the cross. That's how the prayers start in the beginning. They're very self-centered. You want a little bit of retribution, but I guarantee you do it every day for 30 days, you'll eventually get to the place where you'll say, God, I pray you'll bless this brother. I pray you'll bless his home, bless his marriage. If they're single, God, bring a great man or a woman into their lives. God, I pray that you would watch over them and help them to grow and know the height and depth and width of your love. And God, thank you that over the past 30 days, you have completely transformed my heart towards this person. Are you willing to do that? Because that is denying yourself at its deepest level, man. Because people hurt you, I know. We all get hurt. My mentor, Peace Kazera, I had a conversation with him about last month just about some things that I'm struggling with, some people that I'm struggling with. And he always says this, and, you know, I don't like talking to him very much <laughs> because he's so right and it's almost as if God's speaking to me. He says, Peter, the people you struggle with the most are God's gift in your life because he wants you to grow in denying yourself. He wants you to submit to him. And how you submit to Jesus, and this is what he said to me, you have to submit to people. Even though you're the senior pastor of the church. You have to be willing to do that. The people that you struggle with the most are oftentimes the greatest gifts that God gives to you in your life so that you can grow in this idea of picking up your cross and following him. They're not inconveniences. They're not a pain in the booty. All right? They're not people that should not have been a part of your life. No, absolutely. These are people that should have been a part of your life. These are people that God handpicked and put into your life so that it could be difficult for you so that you can learn to deny yourself. That it's not about you. That if you can be loyal to him, you choose him over yourself. And maybe the closest thing that they'll ever get to connecting with Jesus is you. As you have that kind of self-denial in your life. I hope I'm speaking to somebody here today. The last thing. And so it's not just about self-denial all the time. There's a real good part of this. Because when you can choose Jesus over yourself, this part can be hard, but it's one of the most beautiful things of being loyal to Jesus. We show loyalty when we choose to receive and release God's blessings. When we choose to receive and release God's blessings. Look at verse 40. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. That's a pretty dang good deal. If you bless a prophet, guess what? God will give you a prophet's reward. Then he says, and if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if, you even, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. That word reward is there three times. Understand that. Understand that. All right? And so you got to choose Jesus over your parents over your family, Jesus over yourself, but then you also have to choose to receive and release the blessings of God to other people. This is important here. Let me just speak to some of you for just a moment. Some of you in this room, your denial of yourself is good to a certain point, but it's so much so that it's to the extreme where it's not healthy balance there where you cannot receive a blessing from someone. 
that if someone were to give you something, you know, how you, you know how you operate, how you think? Okay, how can I pay them back now? That's how you do. My mother does that all the time. You know, she's a, she's a widow. And people used to cook, you know, meals for her when my father first passed away about five years ago. And uh, every time she got a meal, she always cooked that person who gave her a meal back a couple weeks later. She couldn't just receive. And listen, if you can't receive a blessing from God, you're just going to see yourself as a slave or as an orphan to God. God uses people. Here's the thing. God uses people to bless you. But you have to be willing to receive it. Now, I find that the oldest in the family, if you're like the oldest, like the caretaker of your siblings, they struggle with this the most. Because you've had to give so much every time growing up. You've had to take care of your siblings and all that stuff. It's very hard for you to receive a blessing from God. A lot of you just want God to give you a blessing like supernaturally. But he doesn't do that. The supernatural thing is that he actually speaks to somebody to bless you. And you have to be willing to receive it. And so what blessing have you received today? You know, when you don't receive that blessing, not only do you start to not believe that you're a child of God, but you prevent that other person from being loyal to God. Because Jesus says here that when you receive it, guess what they get? They get a reward. That if they bless the prophet and the prophet receives that reward, you know what they get? They get a prophet's reward. That if you bless a righteous person and you give something to a righteous person, they get a righteous person's reward. That's a dang good deal, man. And so we have to be willing to receive, all right? Now, the other aspect of this is that some of you, you don't like releasing the gifts of God. And some of you have this mentality of thinking, I'm only going to give when I receive. Terrible, terrible practice for you if you do something for me. That's not how God's economy works. You have to be willing to release God's blessings in order for you to receive, all right? We have to be willing to do that. So that's a mentality that we have to have. I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to live under this beautiful promise of being a child, a son and a daughter to the King of kings and Lord of lords. What it requires of you, really what it requires of you, is to be as generous as God. And some of you, God has blessed with so much resources, but you just keep it for yourself. You never share it with anyone else. You're not going to be able to receive from God then. You don't give so that you can receive. Some people do that. They want to give. So they can receive. You don't do that. You give because Jesus Christ has given you everything. And you give because the Bible says freely you have received. Freely you give. Freely you have received. Freely we must give. So who do you need to release a blessing to today? That maybe God is encouraging you to do so. Who do you need to release a blessing to today? Out of the three, for me, and being loyal... The third one's my hardest. I can choose Jesus over family. I can choose Jesus over myself, although sometimes that can be a challenge. I'm not saying that's like easy. But the third one's the hardest, and this is the hardest one, receiving God's blessings. Part of that has to deal with like shame that I grew up with a lot, not seeing myself really worthy to receive and things like that. So it's not an easy process for me. You know, the quarantine and the pandemic has been really hard for a lot of us. It really has. For our family, there was some really good things to it because we got to, the five of us got to be in a house, sort of locked in our house for 18 months, and we just did life together, and it was really sweet. My kids are much older, so they can kind of do their own thing, you know, and stuff like that, but we were able to have tons of family nights and just really kind of do life together, and it was really cool. The other real cool aspect of it was that my daughter, Christina, uh, was in college. She started her freshman year, and literally in her second semester, she had to come home and she spent the last three semesters at home not at Rutgers and the reason why that was good and bad it was bad because she didn't really get to experience campus life but it was good because her mom and I saved a whole lot of money <laughs> we didn't have to pay for room and board man room and board is more expensive than tuition all right it's crazy what they charge up there Right? And so for three semesters, I mean, it was doable. And she got some unemployment. She worked and she helped pay for her tuition, some of it. And so we kind of coupled that out. First semester, it was no problem because I had a 529 plan that we've been saving up since she was born. And we used that all, like 90% of it in one, in one semester. But she had a lot of scholarships, so we were able to use it. And I just kind of thought, okay, how are we going to keep doing it? And I just felt like God's provision, man. Not to say that, you know, COVID was a good thing. No, it was terrible. But the thing was that we got to save money. We figured out we were able to pay this. 
Well, you know, she told me, and I want her to as well, she said, Dad, no matter what, even if we do online classes, I'm going back up to Rutgers. And I said, absolutely go. She got an apartment with her friends. I wanted to go up there. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to be, you know, a young woman. I wanted her to date. I don't know if that's weird. Some of you young fathers are like, uh, what are you talking about? I want my daughter to date. I want her to meet dudes. That's a good thing, right? So she got an apartment. She doesn't have campus housing. It's much cheaper to get an apartment than to find campus housing. So that's really cool. But we had to pay her tuition. Mother and I were fully prepared to do that. But what happened was is that our roof needed repairing. We had to replace our entire roof, our shingles. It depleted our entire savings. And we wondered, how are we going to do this? And we have like this emergency fund, uh, this emergency fund that we use only in the case of an emergency. That's like if Jenny gets laid off or something happens to me and I, you know, and, and I no longer could work that. We'll tap into that if we have to. We were fully prepared to use that. And last Sunday, after service, Pastor Doug meets me at the newcomer's quick stop and he hands me a yellow envelope. And I said, what is this? He says, somebody from the church wants you to have this. And he told me that he wants you to pay for Christina's tuition with this envelope. And I was like, who, who, who gave it to you? And he's like, I can't tell you. I said, oh, I didn't think much of it. I wasn't really sure, like, even how much was in there. And we had to pay her bill was due on Monday last of this week. And so I go home, and we look at it, and, and, and Jenny and I were floored because it was the exact amount of her college tuition bill. And then I called Doug. And I said, if you don't tell me, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> I said, I will fire you. All right, you got to tell me who gave us to you. Now, I didn't say that. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, he can't lie to me, right? Because, I mean, he's a pastor. So we did process of elimination. And I finally found the person who did this. And so I called him. And I said, I can't do this. This is way too much money. I can't do this. Like, I said, listen, if you were like a multi, multi-millionaire, I can maybe do this. But I was like, but you're not. I was like, you know, take it back. And he just said, listen, I just want you to know something. This is not about you. God told me to give this to you. I'm just trying to be obedient, Peter. Can you help me to be obedient? And he kept saying that. And I just said to him, I said, I I need to think about this. And I got off the phone with him. And I'm telling you right now, if I didn't prepare for this sermon this Sunday, I don't know if I would have received it. I really don't think I would have because there's still a part of me, like there's still a part of me, I think part of this is from my family and just kind of how I grew up, where I feel like I'm not worthy, that I can't receive this. And I realized that if I didn't receive this, not only will I lose my loyalty to God, but that I will prevent this person to not be loyal to God. And also I would be taking away a rewards blessing that God wants to give to this person. And so we received it with a deep amount of gratitude and humility. And I just texted him when we paid the bill off on Monday. And I just said, hey, I want you to know that we paid the bill off and it's almost the exact dollar amount. And this is how he responded. I'm just reading word for word his text. He said, it's an honor and a privilege to become a messenger of his provision, promise, and love for you and your family. Thank you for your yes to his calling and leading our church in the next steps of renewal as a pastor, father, and most importantly, my friend. Thank you. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy to see yourself as a child of God. It's not easy to see yourself as a prince or a princess to the king of kings and lord of lords. Because the requirements are pretty high. You got to choose Jesus over your family. You got to choose Jesus over yourself. But you also have to be willing to choose to receive and release God's blessings. This is hard. It's not easy. But when you can live into that, there's truly shalom and there's peace in the midst of whatever chaos that might exist in your life today. We're done with Commission Impossible. But my prayer is that you're not done. My prayer is that you would work really hard to the day you take your last breath to be super loyal to God, that you would always choose him over your family. That's almost a daily request because we got to do that every day. Choose God over yourself. 
that you would position yourself to grow in self-denial regularly and that you would choose to receive a blessing and release a blessing. I prayed every day this week that God would give this person a pastor's reward. That God would give this person a pastor's reward for how he's blessed our family. I hope you know you're a child of God. You're a child to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So choose Jesus over your family, over yourself, and choose him by receiving and releasing his blessings. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. So which of the three do you struggle with? Do you struggle with all three? It's okay. It's okay to struggle with all three. Maybe you struggle with one of the three, though. I want you to make a choice. I want you to choose. If you struggle to put Jesus over your family, you make a choice today and a decision to choose Jesus over your family. That might require you to maybe quit a job eventually or maybe have some people pray with you about that to discern with you what the next steps might be. It might require you to um, look at your spouse in a different way. It might cause you to take your kids onto some sporting programs and say, you know what, we got to get back to church. I need to show you that Jesus is more important than anything else. And maybe it's about telling your kid, it's okay, you don't got to go to Harvard. You don't got to get a 4.0 for you to know how much I love you. And just you're enough. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's choosing Jesus over yourself. Maybe there are some people in your life, honestly, you've had some very dark thoughts about. And that's because you're hurting. Invite Jesus into those wounds. Grow in self-denial by praying for those enemies of yours for the next 30 days and pray a blessing upon their life. That God will bless them. And see how God would transform your heart. Maybe the person you got to pray a blessing upon is the person you live with and share a room with. Sometimes our greatest enemies are the people that we should be loving the most. Maybe for some of you, you have to show your loyalty by receiving a blessing. It's hard. But you know, if you don't, you'll live your life as an orphan to God. And he doesn't want you to do that. You're his prince. You're his princess. You're his son. You're his daughter. So you have to receive from God. Who do you have to receive from today? Or who do you have to release a blessing to today? Freely you have been, freely you have received, freely you must now give. And so go to him. Commit your radical loyalty to him. And uh, I'll pray for us at the end. Let's just go to God. Well, Metro, let's do this. I sense that our loyalty to God has to be a choice we make, but a choice that we make and that we are not afraid to show and demonstrate it to even publicly in this church. If you want to commit yourself to being a child of God, express through the three areas that God would like you to be loyal to today, I want you to rise up, stand up on your feet, and I'll pray for you today. Right? I'll pray for you today. But I want us to make that commitment. Say, you know what, God? I'm never going to be loyal to anything more than you. More so than my parents. More so than my children. More so than myself. I want to be loyal to you completely. Please, yes, stand up all over the place. Praise God. If you're at home watching and you sense the Spirit speaking, stand up. I want to pray for you today. Lord, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. There's nothing we have that is more precious than you. 
And so God, help us to live our lives every day. And for those brothers and sisters standing here in this room, for the people that are standing in their home, I pray that they will live every day of their lives knowing that you are worthy of it all. And so help them to choose you over their family, over their parents, over their children. Help them to choose you over themselves, that they would grow in self-denial, picking up their cross. And help them to grow by choosing to receive and release your blessings to people. And as they do, God, I pray that they no longer will live like spiritual orphans. They no longer will live like slaves, a part of your home, servants in your home but they would truly live like sons and daughters to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so God, I pray this will not be an emotional decision, but this will be a decision that you seal deep within their hearts and in their soul. Bless them, bless them and bless this church. Guide us and lead us for what you want us to do here in Englewood and beyond, God. I pray that you would guide us, Lord, and that you would help us to live for you passionately and that these people who have stand will become your army, will become your army to be an extension of your love and your grace to the people here in this city, to the people here in this world. So God, be with our church. Holy Spirit, bring revival and help us to always know that you've sent us out on a mission to set people free from their brokenness so that Satan no longer capitalizes on people's brokenness anymore. And so may we be kingdom builders from this day forward. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. There's some next steps that I'd love for you to take. If you flip over your communication card, again, it's not just about you listening, but it's about you taking these next steps. First, if you've never committed your life to Jesus and you want to do that for the very first time, just check that off and we'll get back to you or our spiritual formations team will get back to you this week. Second, you're going to share some area of your life where you struggle to be loyal to Jesus Christ. I think it's really important that not only do you just hold that between you and God, but you've got to share it with someone. Make sure you do that. There's something powerful that happens when you can share it because there's a higher level of accountability, all right? Third, uh, we have a Newcomers Connections Dinner next Sunday. It'll be at 3.30 p.m. at the Metro office. Love to invite you to be a part of that. We're going to have free food and things like that if you're interested. Check that off, but you need to register online. It's on our app. It's at emetro.org slash Sunday, all right? Fourth, uh, next Sunday, next Saturday, we're going to have Open Store Market at McKay Park. Uh, many of you have I mean, we have thousands upon thousands of donated items, excellent stuff. We need your help. Mama Moore, who is playing this whole thing, said that we really need people's help, I think, on Friday, right? Particularly to help sort stuff, to load the vans. We actually rented a moving truck. We're going to put stuff in there as well. We're going to go there on Saturday, and the entire community of Englewood will come, and we'll be able to connect with them and stare into the eyes of humility. And I believe many of us will be able to see Jesus next week. But we need your help. If you can spare a few hours check that off. We'll get back to you. We'll give you a time that we can, you know, that you can come and serve. And if you can't do Friday, I'm sure we can have you come Thursday or whatever day, but, or we really do need Saturday helpers as well. And so anything you can give to us, we would truly, truly be thankful for. Five, please send me more information on how I can be a part of the prison pen pal ministry. We have a pen pal ministry to people who are doing life in jail. Wouldn't it be great if maybe God could use you to bless them through a a letter? Um, Think about that. If you're interested, you check that off and get on the comp card and check that off. Or just email me and we'll get you plugged in. Number six, as we try to get back to some level of normalcy, we need people to serve at the ministries in our church. We hope that you will because God's called you to be a missionary and that you would begin to serve in some of the ministries that we have here at Metro Community Church. All right?